So Money episode 505, Sarah Jones, founder of Introverted Alpha. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Hey, raise your hand if you consider yourself introverted. Is or was dating somewhat of a challenge for you? My guest today is helping introverted men in particular find lasting love. Her name is Sarah Jones, and she is the second entrepreneur that I had the fortune of interviewing at Ramit Sethi's Forefront event earlier this fall. And if you're not sure what Forefront is, it's the first event of its kind. Ramit invited over 500 of his fans from all over to join him in New York City for a weekend of events, adventure, keynotes, connection. And so Sarah was there. I had the privilege of being invited also to engage with some of his students. Her company, Sarah's company, is called Introverted Alpha. It's a boutique online company that helps smart, introverted men attract women naturally just by being themselves. No more being put in the friend zone. You can learn instead how to be invited into the boyfriend zone, as she puts it. Now, interesting talk with Sarah, because of course, want to learn all about introverted alpha, how it works, her insights into the current dating landscape. Do I do Tinder? Do I go to a bar? How do I meet people authentically? Not me because I'm married, but you know, I'm speaking for all you single folks out there. Sarah's Southern upbringing also and all of its traditions gave us a lot of fodder with regards to her financial take on life and how she's actually reversing some of those old-fashioned money lessons that she was brought up with and adding a new dimension to her family's financial legacy. It's really uh, an interesting story. And I think she kind of put the pieces together while we were talking uh, during the interview. So I, I feel like maybe we had a therapy session or something. It's kind of awesome when that happens right on the show. You never know what you're going to get. Here you go. Here's Sarah Jones. Sarah Jones, welcome to So Money and welcome to Forefront. Yes, I'm so happy to be here on both counts. Introverted alpha is what you're helping these introverted alpha men out there find love. How did you come across this very specific category of dating and men? Mm -hmm. Well, I was an academic tutor on and off for 10, 10 or 11 years, and I really was focused on helping my clients become more confident. And then we would do the academic stuff too, but really it was just if they knew they could do it, then you know we, we were really going somewhere. And I really loved that. And then I hired a coach of my own to help me sell my art. My undergrad was in art and I was selling my art. And I was like, I kind of really want to be doing what she's doing. And I like how when I send my art to my newsletter list, they feel inspired and they see the world in a new way and they write me back about it. I'm like, that's so much more fun than painting to me. So I enrolled in coaching school, not knowing what my niche was going to be, just knowing that I wanted to have the most direct impact possible on other people's lives because that just seemed like the most fun thing to me. It was very much like the tutoring that I did. Um, And then I, once I was in, I learned you had to find a niche, find a niche, choose a niche. And it's just this big topic for brand new life coaches. It's like, I mean, it's just mind boggling. Like, what do you even choose? And 
it just felt, I mean, I went to events and talked to different people and I was just looking for like the answer, like what was my niche going to be? And, and, uh, and it kind of appeared this way. So through the coaching school, my own dating life was just blossoming for the first time in my mid twenties. So I was either in a long sort of dead in relationship to before or just nothing. And for the first time I was meeting beautiful, amazing men all the time. It was what so changed. Fun. Well, just the way that I saw myself and being able to have what I wanted, acknowledging what I wanted. So, um, and when I was in coaching school, my, um, my, my then boyfriend actually enrolled with me and we decided to separate together because we were like, Hey, if we imagine our lives apart or together in the future, apart I think it just made us both of us feel more free. That's very mature. It was, it's like, is this a breakup? Because it feels awesome. <laughs> but it was. And what I knew was I wanted to have, I wanted to feel really treasured by by men. I really wanted that. And I didn't really feel that with him. And and he noticed that and I noticed that. And there was other things going on. So we're like, okay, peace, you know? And then I, you know, just making that stand for myself of like wanting something more um, in my love life was a big step. And then, um, and then I just, I guess I had this sort of glow that I was just open and that men can really pick up on that, you know, whether you're approachable and warm and, and, you know, more open, they, um, they, they really see and notice that. And so I just got a lot of more attention than I had before and I had so much fun. And I felt like I was at choice the whole time. If I wanted to do something, I did. If I didn't, I didn't. And, um, I love that you use the expression, I want to be treasured by men, as opposed to, well, not that I find there's anything wrong with saying also, I want a man who will take care of me, because why not? You're in a relationship. We should be taking care of each other. I find that today in the modern world with this um, rebirth of feminism, there's like a resurgence of it now, and like we've, we have mm-hmm. all of our own twists on it. And I find that when I wrote my book, When She Makes More... I got some pushback from the quote-unquote feminist community that was like, Farnoosh, you're bowing to the patriarchy by basically saying that you want to be in a relationship where you feel like your your man is quote-unquote taking care of you or at least making you feel emotionally, you know, at peace and opening the door for you and being chivalrous and all that stuff. And not every woman wants that, but Mm -hmm. I want that, even though I make more. So... I think I've, you know, earned enough goodwill with the feminist community at this point. So I should have the privilege and the opportunity to say, this is what I want and not feel bad about it or feel that I am bowing to the patriarchy. And when you said treasured, I think that's such a beautiful way to express what I was trying to express, which is which is great. And who doesn't want that? Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, and I, I really love what you just brought up too, because I feel like this is our next wave, I hope, you know, as women. It's like, we can be powerful and treasured. We can be we we can enjoy the dance of you know a man opening the door for us and us being gracious and loving being a woman. You know, I, I like to teach my guys to really enjoy being their own man and to enjoy being a man among women. And that's really an edge for them because they're afraid if like if there's you know a, a yoga class for example and they go they feel like they're intruding just by being there in a room full of women because they don't want to be like that creepy guy. I'm like, no, you add so much zest to the room. You add something. When you're relaxed in your own skin and you feel good, it just electrifies the room. 
and vice versa, enjoying being a woman among men and being able to feel powerful and also feminine at the same time. It's, it's interesting and it's not really talked about that much. So specifically the introverted alpha, describe this man for us. Mm -hmm. So he has a quiet confidence. He doesn't feel like he needs to always prove himself. So when we we were just talking now about like the the bros, the like quintessential quote unquote alphas, it's like, you know, if they're always trying to one up each other or if they need like a posse to stand behind them, it's like, well, well, what are you trying to compensate for? It's like it it doesn't it, – it just – it's really off-putting to to women that are warm and confident. When you see that, it's like, well, I don't, I'm not buying it. You know, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Whereas um, the, the kind of guy that I that I work with, we bring out what is naturally great about him. Not trying to be, not trying to fit himself into some stereotype, but really noticing what's wonderful about him. And my guys are really similar, so having integrity is huge for them. It's a huge part of who they are. It's it's one of the first things that they're really proud of about themselves when they start to really reflect on themselves, um, you know, and also be being um, being clear about what they want and, and dedicated to pursue that. And then we just transfer that over to dating. You know. What's the problem in the dating world for introverted alphas? What what are the challenges you're helping them overcome? Are women just not recognizing? that they have so much value and authenticity to offer because they're quiet? Is that what it is? Well, it's not It's not about really them being quiet because they can be quiet before and after. But the difference is, you know, when we're focusing about something about ourselves, we're basically uh, inviting everyone else to focus on that about us too. So if we're really nervous and we think that we don't belong or we feel weird, our our body language communicates that and we just put out this vibe about that. So then that's how women perceive them because that's how they perceive themselves. But when they're like, actually, I feel awesome. I love being a man. I love being myself. So one of the, the things that I like to say is enjoy the hell out of being you. I love that. And they love that too. So when they're enjoying themselves and they enjoy specific qualities that they have, specific values that they have, and they enjoy you know, finding out more about themselves every day and changing every day, then that's what they invite everybody else to relate to them as too. But the biggest thing holding them back is a lot of times, and a lot of them are really good looking, a lot of them work out and they look good and they're successful, like they're great and women are into them and they do nothing because they don't want to be creepy. And they also don't incorporate touch. Touch is a really important part of chemistry early on. Because for, for a man, how a woman looks is a big factor in how attracted he is to her, how she looks physically. And vice versa. Yeah. And, of course, vice versa, too. But for, for women, um, it's in many ways, touch is that number one place or, or just how she feels around him, how she feels in his presence, and how she feels when they make contact. It can just be absolutely, um, you know, just such an indicator of how intimacy is going to be after you know, even how he like holds his glass or something and how comfortable he is being closer to her. So they were like, I don't want to be creepy. So I'm not, I'm not, and I don't want to make a fool of myself. They would feel self-conscious if they were in a room full of people, they'd feel, you know, like uh, stage fright. They would feel like everybody's going to be looking at them if they say something to her and if she rejects them or whatever. How much of this is, stems from societal mixed messages from women, right? <sighs> Totally. And because a lot of women are not welcoming to men um, and it's really unfortunate. And so what I what I teach them is. But there are also a lot of creeps out there. Well, <laughs> there are. Honest. I mean, honestly, it's like I get it. I understand it. And and different men bring out different sides of the same woman, too. 
Um, I like to go partner dancing. Um, and depending on my lead, I'm, he's going to get a very different follow <laughs> based on how much I'm enjoying myself. So, you know, we can be a lot of different ways. You know, the same one can be a lot of different ways. But there's also some women that just love men and are more open to men than, than others. So what I teach them is, okay, when you walk into a room, number one, because they are more reserved and introverted, they don't have as much social energy to just spray everywhere to like everybody. So I tell them to just focus on who they feel most drawn to in the room and intentionally connect with those people. They love it. It's, you know, it's, it's having that, that, um, that in, in, intentional quality over excessive quantity. They love that. So what I what I teach them is when you're scanning the room, well, think about the kind of woman that you really like. She's she's warm. That all of them want a warm and loving woman. All of them. Except we're not scanning rooms anymore. We're swiping on apps. So how does that factor into your into your coaching? Well, you can actually read a lot into a picture. I had a client who um, it's doing really well. He actually just finished, and he's just ecstatic. He has an amazing girlfriend. He's just on cloud nine, and it's really beautiful to hear um, his stories. It's amazing. And, uh, and, and earlier on, he told me that he, he, um, he was setting up a date with someone and at the last minute she flaked for like a stupid reason. Like she just was tired or something. It wasn't like an actual, she didn't even put any effort into it. And he canceled other plans. He's a really busy man. He canceled other plans to go on the date. And he just thought it was like, well, I guess that's just the luck of the draw. And in some ways, when you're doing online dating and people are not as invested, don't even know you. But I said, could you tell a difference? But Because he went on a date the week previous and it was so fun. I said, if you look at these two women's profiles, the, how they look in the picture, their body language, also what's in the background of the picture, how much attention do they have to detail or how do they present themselves? Could you have possibly foreseen that this woman was a little sloppy, flighty, whatever, compared to the one that you enjoyed. And he's like, oh my gosh, yes. And he told me all these things he had noticed, but he hadn't noticed it in the front of his head. He just kind of noticed it somewhere here. So I teach them how to really look at a picture and use their intuition. They have amazing intuition. They don't even realize. They're so intuitive because they're more introverted. They just process things really, they feel things really deeply. So I teach them to, to use that when they're looking at photos and feeling out if someone's going to be a good, a good match for a date. So what, like she had lipstick smudge on her teeth or something? <laughs> I, I wish I remembered all the details. <laughs> but she was just kind of like maybe she had some pictures where she was just like super drunk or just like in like a super messy background. Like it just no, not attention to presenting. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine – was uh, had an experience with a woman that he met on Tinder, or maybe it was Bumble, and I think it was Bumble. She approached him, but then kind of went silent, and then they finally got a, a date, and they had a fantastic time, and then she just kept on flaking after that, and then he kept asking me for advice, and I said, you know what, just don't go overboard, just just let her come to you, and and clearly, you know. There's, it's. I don't know if it's you. I don't know what to say, but it's so. You know, this is the thing. I, I'm so happy. I'm not dating anymore. <laughs> I'm. I'm not dating in 2016. Um, do you feel that your advice is timeless, or it's very much pegged to the environment and the world that we live in, and the society that we live in, and the mindsets that are going around right now with regards to men, women dating? Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of both. I think that the underlying principles are are timeless. At least that that's what I. I'm going for. 
And that's what my guys reflect back to me too. That's like, oh, this is helping me. I like, I got a raise and promotion at work. You know, it kind of goes, it's, it's a deeper, it's deeper principles that carry across. At the same time, it's really important to be relevant. And even in the, the, the two years I've been doing, or doing this, the online dating apps are different. Bumble wasn't around before. And so I just asked my guys all kinds of details like, okay, well, what was it like? What did you say? And and I love it when they're like, well, I just said what you tell us to say. I'm like, oh, good. I'm glad that that's still working. <laughs> but I just always check in with them to make sure that everything is still working. It's making sense. And 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 one thing that's really refreshing about the way I like I like to do things is like, I'm not stuck on being right. Because you know what? Things change really quickly. And I just am like feeling such a sigh of relief that I don't even have to be always worrying about that. Things change. And if something ends up working better than what I had been teaching, I'll change it. And that's, we're all doing it together. So yeah. Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself with no tools needed, or they can do it for you. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash so money. When you made the leap to entrepreneurship, did you take, uh, yeah, I know you took courses, you took a Ramit's course or courses. What else did you do to prepare? Maybe financially, well, how did you prepare for this leap? Because it's something a lot of my listeners are contemplating or are in the midst of, and they want to know, how do you manage your money when you're starting a business? Honestly, I would not do it the same way again. So I, I was working for another dating coach for a little over a year doing sales and coaching commission only for a year and a few months. And I was making about 100K. And I'm living, I live in California. Um, I live, uh, you know, I've, I would, I've, I've lived all over California, but, um, you know, 100K like can barely get you <laughs> through, but it was still, that's still good. Uh, and before that, I'd just been kind of like hodgepodge things here and there. So I hadn't had like just a secure, regular nine to five for years. Um, and so I was kind of more used to it. And there was like a thrill to it that I kind of liked. But I literally had no savings. And I gave my notice before I had made any money with Introverted Alpha. I do not recommend this. So I gave my notice um, in late summer 2014 because I wanted to focus fully on it. And I just, I was very overconfident. <laughs> my boyfriend who's very methodical and thoughtful and rational and, you know, measures risks and whatnot. And now we've rubbed off on each other a lot. Um, uh, but he was like, Sarah, most businesses fail. Like, how are you just so sure you're going to bank everything on this? I'm like, because I'm smart. 
That was just my answer. It was just, that's all. I was like, it's easy. It's going to be easy. What are you worried about? I was very overconfident. So I gave my notice so I could focus fully on it. And that September 30th was my last day. I still had some carryover clients that were finishing up. So that held me. October was terrifying. I made like $1,000 that month. I'd made like 500 the month previous. It was like, what am I doing? I'm going to have to move back home with my family in Alabama. That's where I'm from. Because uh, San Francisco is quite a lot. I was ha- had roommates, so it wasn't that much rent. But it was still just like, I mean, I was really terrified. And then November, I made 10K. And then December, same. And I was at 10K for the first year and a half. I mean, regular. So I just feel very fortunate. I did not have a good financial plan. And I just feel lucky. So in retrospect, two months of scraping by, then boom, $10,000. So what changed? (laughs) What did you do? Well, I... So I was doing the guest posting that I learned in Zero to Launch. Ramit says, just guest post, guest post, guest post. A lot of them are going to fall flat, but some of them are going to take off. And I had a guest post called Seven Reasons Introverted Men Are So Damn Attractive on the Goodman Project. Um, And it got picked up by Cosmo and a bunch of other sites. I mean, it went really huge. Um, At the time, introversion was a really hot topic. Um, uh, There was Susan Cain's book, Quiet, that came out. And well, I mean, it could come out a long time before, but she was promoting it much more heavily and, and introversion enjoyed a, a, a moment. I mean, it's still kind of the fascination with it. It's still kind of here. So it was really timely that that fascination was so high and, and nobody had ever really said introverted men are attractive. I was kind of the first one to say that and, and everyone loved it. So that brought me some new clients. Also, um, Johnny Depp, can I just say two words? <laughs> That's exactly it. James Bond. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, all, all of the iconic sexy men, you know, in, in like the, the old Western movies, all those men are the strong silent type. And also I got some good referrals too. a couple of friends. I mean, because I'd been talking with my friends about this for a few months at that point. And so I got some good referrals. And so referrals plus that guest post. I was doing some Facebook ads. I don't think, I don't know if those paid off in November, but, uh, you know, just spending a little bit here and there, but that's kind of what I did. And then it felt like just barely making, I would just barely come through, but at the 10 to 20K level. So I- and What were they buying? What were your, what, how were you making, what was that money coming from? Yeah. So I was doing um, just one-on-one coaching. So what I had for anybody that opted into my list, and I think in November, my list was probably like, you know, 300 people or something um, back then. And uh, so when they opted into my list, I had a a training called the Core Confidence Training. It's a five-day email series, just like Rami teaches. I still use it to this day. I mean, I've used it for so many things. I love it. They're fun to write and they work so well for, you know, the the, the first few emails is just free, helpful stuff. And then you transition into, well, if you really want to handle this, then let's explore if we're the right fit. So I got on the phone with them for a complimentary session. This is what I've been doing before with the other company, you know, doing sales calls, leading into a coaching package. So so 3,000 was the main package. So you only have to sell a few 3,000 packages to make it to 10K. So the key is getting your audience, finding your audience first, which takes some time and some investment, but the payoff can be big. And because you have such a niche, niche, mm-hmm. niche, niche? Both, either. Okay. Um, 
you can command a higher price point, $3,000 yes. as opposed to $30. Yes, that's exactly it. That's one of the really fun parts about the business is I feel like we are a boutique company, which I really, it, this just recently came to me because I, I like looked up like, what is a boutique exactly? And it's, you know, it's high end catered for a very niche market. And I'm like, oh my God, that's why we're having so much fun because that's what we are. We're not scraping the bottom of the barrel and just, you know, discounting on top of discounts. It's, it's, it is high end because there's nobody else doing this the way that we do it. There's not that many female dating coaches, period. And the ones that there are not always coaching men and the ones that are not coaching introverted men. And so it, it, it's like my, my whole relationship with my guys is like, I get you. I respect you. Because pickup advice does not respect them or women. And so here they come to me and they know that they're respected. They also know that everything they're gonna, that, that they're going to get is going to be respectful to women because I am a woman. And our, and our, our team are, are women. We, we have women and men, but the, the, the ones of us that talk to the clients are all women. All right. Talk about money. Let's talk <laughs> about your financial philosophy, Sarah. Has it changed since you've now grown your business and um, are taking it to new sites? I I would say that the core of it, though, that had me be extremely risk-friendly <laughs> uh, is there, but maybe tempered a little bit. So I would say it's, um, you know, when I look at, I've, I've also really come to realize and accept how much I love luxury and how much I'm attracted to beautiful high-end things. Um, which took me some courage to even admit that I grew up, you know, religious that if you're, but I grew up around a lot of wealth, but also religious is like, you're not supposed to want things, whatever. So it's like, I can, you know, there there's, if there's something I want, there's no reason why I can't have that in time. And so I think that, that in time I'm, I feel much more peaceful now because I've, I've internalized that much more rather than but why not yesterday? Why not right now? Why not right now? And feeling like I'm failing because I can't have it right now. Well, I can have it in time. And so what's refreshing to me about that is like, instead of just saying, oh, well, I just can't have that. That's just not for me. That's just not the kind of person I am. It makes me so mad when people do that. And when I've done that, because it's like, who says, who mm -hmm, says, mm -hmm. um, I can. And if I really want something, I can get it and it will just take time. And the, t and the journey is fun too. So yeah. Well, you, what, I say that too, and what you might discover through the journey is that you don't actually maybe want that thing. Once you become capable of affording it, sometimes you arrive at that point, you're like, actually, I think I'm going to save my money or I'm going to do something else with it. So that's always a fun surprise. Yeah, because sometimes it's the feelings behind what we perceive that thing to be that's what we're really after. I find that part of growing my business and being more successful with it is my my tastes are different and I have less of a of a just like craving for a bunch of things you know it's more um you know re refined and it's still always refining and that refinement's really fun too refinement is fun all right talk <laughs> about growing up you said in California what was your exposure to money and what were the what was the most important lesson you learned about money good or bad yeah i actually grew up in Birmingham Alabama Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. And um, I – it was interesting because, you know, there was a lot of old money. It's kind of very – the further I'm away from it, the more 
magical and otherworldly it sort of seems, like, you know, these sort of plantation kind of things. I mean, we didn't have actual plantations, but, you know, when, when you introduce yourself, you, you introduce yourself with your last name because it's like, who's the family? And so all around me, you know, big, I mean, and the South is so gorgeous. I mean, beautiful, green, everything's green. Um, and these big, beautiful homes on hills. And that's where everything was. And everyone was in a Mercedes or a Lexus or something. Everyone. It was absolutely pristine. And my family was a little different. So we still had, you know, the family name that some of us were proud of. I mean, some of the things that I looked at was like, okay, well, a lot of the way that my grandfather built his wealth was through stepping on other people. So I think that really got deeply embedded into my perception of how one becomes wealthy. And so that's been an interesting sort of nut, nut to crack. But it was sort of like there was all this around me and we had some of it, but my dad was extremely frugal. He also wasn't working. He was just living on what his dad made. Living off the fat of the land, as yeah. they say. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was like, I'm going to raise y'all to become independent. I'm going to raise y'all to become independent. And we were always like, you're not independent. It was very weird. There's a lot of real weird money stuff going on. <laughs> so interesting. Going back to your grandfather and recognizing at a young age that he stepped on people to get ahead, was that a story that was talked about in the house or something that you just sort of picked up on and realized, I don't want to be like this or I, there's like some shame attached to the wealth? I felt some shame attached to it because of that a little bit or more of an aversion to it, more of an aversion to money because it was it seemed like, well, the way to make money is to do that. My family talked about it, but it was more of like a fact of life. Yeah, this happened and they didn't really care. But I cared. I'm like, well, what about those people? You know? Yeah. So then um, growing up with that background, um, how did you come to – you know, manage your money independently as an adult? Like what was your transition like? And I'm sure we all made mistakes. I made plenty of them. Did, would you say it was smooth sailing or you really fumbled? I, I really, I mean, it was sort of a combination. I think a theme for me has been I've, I've been feeling like I'm fumbling on the inside, but on the outside, things work. I can pay my bills. I mean, you know, so right out of college, I majored in art because I was like, I'm just going to be a missionary. I was very religious, as I mentioned before. And I was like, God's going to take care of it for me and slash a man is. Because in the South, if you're a woman, you go to college to get your MRS degree. Still? it's a th Yeah, still. And I didn't, I always kind of wanted to be different. I kind of imagined I would be maybe single with a bunch of cats. Turns out that's a thing, cat lady. I don't want that anymore. <laughs> but anyway, I was just thinking I wanted something alternative to what the default was. But at the same time, a lot of things did sort of leak in. And one of those things was, well, I don't really have to worry about money. Somebody will take care of it. A man will take care of it for me. God, uh, my boyfriend, my dad, somebody, right? I didn't feel like, like it fell on my head uh, for a long time, all through college for sure. Um, and so then right out of college, I, that's when it got really real. I moved to Las Vegas with my then boyfriend um, and lived with his parents for a few months before getting my own place. And I got a job doing sales for a home phone company and I made 40K per year and that was more than enough. And I did it, but I always felt like, but I, I was never saving. I was never saving. I, I didn't start saving until I was like 27 a few years ago. Maybe because you felt, even though you were making the money and being an adult with your money, um, 
in your in the back of your head, you're like, someone's going to take care of me at the end exactly. of the day. Just live for now. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. I kind of felt resentful that I would have that I had to take care of myself. I mean, it's like I was in denial of that. I just felt like, well, it's somebody else's job. No, no, no. It's my job, and that's been one of the liberating things about you know ha- having introverted alpha is um, it's there's so much pride and satisfaction and peace and all the good things that comes from me taking care of myself and a team, you know, not just myself and, you know, also a team and also my guys, you know, they're paying me, but I'm taking care of them. So now rather than me waiting to be taken care of, I'm being able to take care of myself and other people. That $10,000 in the first, well, in the first quarter of starting the business, and then it happened every month, was a very so money moment in the beginning. Had have you had more since then? Would you say that was the so money moment, or do you have a different one to share? We had our first forty k month in July, and we're on track to make three hundred k this year, which is double what we made last year. Amazing! Give me a high five. That's amazing. <laughs> so, what changed, or you just kept you just kept doing the the, the good work and consistency or did you pivot? What happened? It was definitely a lot of consistency and hard work. Um, But what really opened up things for us at the beginning of the summer was I had, um, so first of all, I was doing one-on-one coaching for a few thousand. Then I made a program that was supposed to be like a coaching replacement for the same amount of money, but it was mostly self-study. In fact, there was a self-study option and then there was an option with very limited support from me. And in the spring this year, I noticed, okay, well, we're selling it, but I don't even know how these guys are doing. And I saw, you know, I had about 200 people that had paid me money in some way or another over the couple years. And I, I always imagined that when I saw that number, I would feel really happy and proud and satisfied, but I felt anxious because I didn't know them. And I, and when them paying me, means that when they press that button or when they say yes over the phone or whatever they do, they're thinking that they're going to change their lives. That's why they're doing it. It's a personal development thing. And I knew statistically that most of them hadn't because with self-study, most of them don't. And it really broke my heart. And I was like, I don't want to do business that way. So I archived all of my products and I started Launch Your Dating Life, which is all we're selling right now. And it is a $5,000 um, eight-week group one-on-one hybrid course. And I have um, a coach that I've been training that she's helping me lead it. And so that's the intention is that I'm going to have coaches that take care of it and everything's very documented. And there's an online student area for them to get all the core materials. And then they get the support also in group calls, which I'm doing. And then um, the, the, the coach that's working with me is helping with the one-on-one calls. We just have a format and we do them together and she leads it and I give her thumbs up and little feedback in the notes on the Google Doc live, you know. And uh, and that was a big moment for me because I w- it was just me being that next level of devoted to my guys and also to the health of the business too. Because part of being so niche is like we really have to get those results. Because there's a lot of it, there's like two spectrums of, of advice. There's two ways that guys go when they pay for something along these lines. Either pick up, which is to get laid tonight and not respecting yourself or women, which is awful for them. Uh, or, you know. And for mankind. And for mankind. <laughs> exactly. It just, yeah. every time I think honest. about it, it's like I just uh. get that feeling in my stomach. 
because there's so much of it going on and there's so many guys that don't know any better. So that's a whole nother reason to grow my business more is like, so that anyone who wants it, they know it's available rather than having never heard of me, you know? So that, that, that's one thing. And the other thing is just, you know, be more present with women, be more charismatic, but very loose and open-ended. And the guys that would, that I think would do better and, and, and that end up doing better in my program sometimes go to that because it's like, well, it's not pickup because they don't know about me yet. But what we do is we get them results with dating, getting good at dating, having fun dating so that they can meet and attract their ideal girlfriend and choose her rather than just ending up with somebody that shows them that they're half into, which is a real risk. And that is a really big life depreciator to just end up with somebody that you didn't even choose. How awful is that? So that's, it's like the, that became really real to me, just kind of getting in the nitty gritty, thinking about, well, what is it going to be if we don't help them get their results? And then how can I best help them get results and then just focus on only that and sell that? Because it, it's one thing, like, whereas Ramit has one course for freelancing, one course for online business, one course for, for you know, productivity, those are all different things. But mine is so specific. It's one thing, get good at dating. So why am I going to have products that give bits and pieces of it? rather than one program that just takes care of their result. Also, it's super smart because you, through this strategy, you're learning more about your clients, which can help you for the next phase of the business. You're seeing it from beginning to end and then better understanding if, if they did get the date, if they, not get, they didn't get in the relationship, you're seeing the outcome and the results, even if they're not the best, at least then you can learn more as opposed to just mass selling. And, and yeah, you might make a little bit more money in the, in the, in the short term, but it's, I don't think it's a, like, I totally agree with this strategy. Yeah. I, I love what you just said. That's exactly right. It feels we're, we're so intimate with them. We really get it. We hear all the stories and, and the good, the bad, and the ugly and everything, you know, we hear it and then we get to adjust the material to make it easier. Like, um, so a lot of the material in the new course was taken from the old course, but I just cut out the stuff that didn't seem to be relevant. And I added more stuff that was missing and we'll continue making it better and better and better and better and better. So I feel like with this particular thing, we're already in the lead because nobody's even doing it, but I don't want to get complacent. I want to keep making it just extraordinary. So earlier you said, you know, you were making a hundred K which in California and this is Northern California. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a lot of money on paper, but in reality, it, it easily gets eaten up by the Bay Area cost of living. Now you're making triple that. Has life changed? Yeah, somewhat. Somewhat, yeah. Um, I have savings. So a lot of it's been going to savings. And so I have um, a balance sheet that I started in 2013 um, where it has all my accounts and all my, my assets and my debts, you know, a balance sheet which was a new concept to me back then. <laughs> and I had a mentor who said, uh, just whatever that number is, get that number up. Just that's the bottom line number, whatever your net, your net worth, you know, the, the assets minus debts. So in the beginning I was negative 13, which seemed like a lot, like a thousand was a lot to me. So negative 13, but it was so liberating just to see that number. And now I'm positive 67 in a few years. So that's really satisfying to be able to save. And now I'm making an emergency savings for the first time in my life. A thousand every month is going to that. So I think that's like just the biggest win for me is that I get to take care of myself 
on that level of having something extra and not having to be fly by the seat of my pants like I was when I started. You're probably sleeping better at night too. I'm sleeping much better. My boyfriend <laughs> says I'm much happier. <laughs> um, all right. So now let's talk about habits. What's So you have the balance sheet. That sounds very habitual. Is there something else that you do with your money now that you are you know, humming along in your business that helps you to stay focused and on track? Yes. I have an app um, called uh, – it's it's either the daily budget or or uh, budget daily, I think it's the latter. Um, it's really it's really cute. It's just it's like just this little simple screen. I really love aesthetics. I really if it's beautiful, I'm going to use it. If it's ugly, I'm really not going to use it. So all you so every time I make any personal purchase for anything, I enter it. And then I get to and then I get to see. So I have a budget for the month, and every day it gives me that day's portion of what I should have given the total monthly budget. And so I get to see how over or under I am, and it helps me know that at the end of the month I've spent you know X amount more or less than my budget, and it's really liberating. I really love that. Wonderful. We should all take care. Apps and they have to be beautiful. I agree. They we can thank Steve Jobs for that. He made yay. <clears throat> we can. He raised our standards. Sarah, let's do some so many fill in the blanks, shall we? Uh, I know this is your favorite part of the show. <laughs> you listen to the show, right? I have. You can yeah. Lie. Um, <laughs> all right. So if I won the lottery tomorrow, what's the do? You, do you follow the lottery in, in the Bay Area? I, I don't follow it. <laughs> Why did I think you would? Um, if you did win it, the first thing I would do is. I would get a beautiful loft in San Francisco, New York, and Paris. My three favorite cities, yes. And yeah, I can't think of anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Sorry, everyone who lives anywhere else. Um, okay, one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better or both is? Mm-hmm. Um, a new wardrobe. I've been updating my clothes and it's been really fun. And I've been buying like, whereas I used to buy a dress that was like 30, now I'm buying a dress that's 70 or 80 and it's just nicer. So I've been really enjoying that. Good for you, taking care of yourself. When you splurge though, big time, like when you're really (laughs) gonna go for the jugular, what's the one thing that you can't pass up? Well, actually my boyfriend and I are taking a three week trip next year to France and Italy. So that's a big splurge. And when I was growing up, the one thing I wish I had learned about money is? That it was up to me. I wish I had been instilled with like, okay, Sarah, there's nobody else to fall back on, even though you're a girl, which is just crazy how sexist that is, but that's it. You know, to be, to treat me as a girl the same way as they treated boys. You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to create? You know, it's up to you. Have you seen that YouTube video that's gone viral of this little British girl in a store? I think it might be a Walmart or something. And her mom is filming her and she's saying they're in the store in the clothing section with the T-shirts for kids, girls and boys. The girls' T-shirts say, hey, or a heart. And the boys' T-shirts are like, think outside the box. Be be a hero. (laughs) So her mom's asking her, Tell me about the differences here. And this little girl who's in a little karate outfit, which is so perfect, is going crazy. She's like, what does hey even mean, mommy? I mean, but over here for the boys, it says think outside the box. I mean, that's like, oh, you know, accomplish your dreams. I don't understand what hey means. It's just look it up. 
She's, she does a much better British accent than I do. She's (laughs) from there. What about this? When I donate, I like to give to blank because. Mm -hmm. So whenever there's any kind of a natural disaster, like a hurricane or, or, you know, anything, I really like to give to that because I just feel like, oh my gosh, imagine what it's like for them right now. Everything was normal and now it's not. And it just always really gets me. And you don't get much warning. My friends are in Florida right now. This We're filming this during Hurricane Matthew, um, you know, ho- hoping everyone there is safe or has found a safe place to hide. But, yeah, I mean, they just have to ab- abort, abort the situation. Yeah, it's not really something that we think about often that it could happen. But when it does, it does. All right. And last but not least, I'm Sarah Jones. I'm so money because... <laughs> Because I really love money and I'm happy to love it. I didn't always and I do now and it's like a love relationship. I love it. It sounds like you've come really into your own and you're starting a new tradition, a new memory of what Jones stands for Mm. when it comes to your financial heritage. That's so, so money. Thank Mm. you so much, Sarah. Thank you so much, Marnie. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Sarah and get free training for her course visit introvertedalpha.com. And of course, the podcast audio and transcript are both available for free at somoneypodcast.com. And there you can also tap in, write in, send me a question for the Friday episode or leave a voicemail. Love hearing your voice. So try that option if you are so inclined. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money.